Watch This was filmed on location in front of a live studio audience. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hey, Watch This. I'm Paul Goble. I'm David Bax. And uh, we're a day late here because of the holiday. And a dollar short. But we are actually recording. We're working on Labor Day because we're blue collar, yeah. right? Yeah. We are laborers. We're laboring on Labor Day. We're not capitalists. We're not part of the machine. We're not the media. We are the blue-collar workers who made this country what it is today from a long line of such, right? The lumpen proletariat. That's what we are. Your dad was blue-collar, right? Very much. As was mine. Yeah. He owned his own business where he fixed things. Doesn't get much more blue-collar than that, right? My dad fixed stuff for uh, the city. Yeah, there you go. Even that's wow. I you just disproved what I said because that's even more blue collar. Yeah, because he was actually in a union, wasn't he? Uh, actually, no, he wasn't. It was not really. He was not union. He was yeah. He was a Ooh. government uh, or you know city of Chesterfield, Missouri employee, which is not the city where, that I lived in. I lived in Baldwin, Missouri. So there, I went to high school in Chesterfield, and he maybe, fixed maybe, top cars and snow plows and dumped, he was maybe because it was a small. Yeah, a small community. They didn't I, feel I like they needed to be in the United. In charge of the people who fixed, he was the maintenance oh. supervisor. So he was management. He was blue collar no, management. Was, he still came home covered in like grease every day. Um, right. Calluses on his hands, so thick from touching like hot engines all of his life. That yeah, he, like he could hold like any. He could grab a pan off the stove and not feel it because he was wow. had spent his entire life. Sticking his hands into hot engines. And could he... Did you know you were in trouble when he put his hand on your bare arm? <laughs> did you know that that Yeah, was... that didn't happen very often. My dad did not get uh, physical uh, with me. He, I've seen pictures of your dad. He didn't seem like he had to get physical because he's a large man. He was imposing. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Well, uh, uh, what is new with you in the world of David Bax? Anything? Uh, oh, here's what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Have you been watching Seth Meyers this past week? No. Because John Worcester's playing drums in his band. Really? And I realized that's why you like the Mountain Goats. No, I liked the Mountain Goats before John Worcester was even a part of the band. Really? Yeah. Because I know how much you love John Worcester. But I learned of John Worcester from the best show uh, with yeah. Sharpling. Yeah. I listened to Mountain Goats for years before I'd ever heard of the best show. All right. The so Mountain it's Goats... just a happy coincidence, that Venn diagram... Fits together the, so yes, well. Yes, John Worcester eventually joined the Mountain Goats. But yeah, when I got into the Mountain Goats, it was just John Darnielle. Okay. Um, and then sometimes, uh, I guess, Peter Hughes would tour and play bass. But it, they weren't really a trio. And now I guess they're like a quartet, because uh, there's another guy whose name I forget. But uh, yeah, that, that is actually a big, a total coincidence. Really? That, yeah, that John Worcester, who I'm a wow. big fan of for other reasons... Uh, joined my favorite band. So you just like terrible things, I guess, is what it comes down to. Every terrible thing you like. Um, well, I uh, oh, oh I, I asked you and then I interrupted you. A- anything new? You see any good movies or anything? Uh, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I... Um... Well, I'm trying to think what came out that looked good. Uh, not a whole lot. But see, here's the thing. I get so... I don't know, I'm so in my like film nerd world. Uh-huh. That I don't know what people who aren't like total film geeks. Well, that's why I'm here. So, what have you seen? That, but I'm saying, like, I could name a bunch of movies. I don't know if you've even heard of these. It doesn't matter. Other I, like, people. We, we talked about Don't Breathe last week. Right. Other people um, might go, oh, that's playing downtown. Oh, and I thought I might look, go you see You know it. what I watched? This is not a new movie. This, I watched two older movies okay. um, that I don't know. I know you've seen. I don't know if you're a fan of them. But I realized. I had not seen very much of Jerry Lewis's work as a director. Right, right. So I watched The Nutty Professor and The Ladies' Man. Nutty Professor is 
one of my favorite, personal favorite movies. And I think it's one of the best uh, comedies done in terms of uh, character studies. Mainly because the character of Buddy Love uh-huh. is so spot on and brilliant. You can ask Bill Murray and anyone who's ever done a character like that. And they will all say they base it on Buddy Love. I see. Okay, when you say that in terms of that sort of character work. Yeah, Buddy Love's great. But I do think the character arc of Professor Kelp is mm. not very well developed and then suddenly has this big pathos moment at the end yeah. that I don't think is earned. And I also think Jerry Lewis as a director doesn't seem very interested in like pacing. So like both movies, both The Mary Professor and The Ladies Man um, feel like a series of kind of it's like a variety show type of thing where there's like yeah. a sketch and there's a little bit of a through line but it's essentially like each scene is a little comedic set piece, and then it kind of just ends on a big like reaction by him, and then like fades out, yeah, like, literally fades to black, and then it's the next scene, and so that that and maybe that's just sensibilities changing over time. Well, that Jerry didn't really work for me. Jerry Lewis is the perfect example of why a director shouldn't write and star in his own <laughs> films, because for some people that works, but in Jerry Lewis's case, he has such a huge ego, and especially did then that nobody could tell him anything different. I mean, he would literally yell, you don't give notes to a legend at people <laughs> right in their face. So what could you do? He yeah. made the movie he wanted to make, and that's what that's why his TV show got canceled, and that's why The Day the Clown Cried never saw the light of day, <laughs> and that's why once people stopped giving a fuck about him, he couldn't work again. He's the William Shatner of musical movies. That's how bad he is. Speaking of musicals, I liked The Ladies' Man better than The I've Man never best. seen The Ladies' Man. Part, uh, well, part of, part of it is that other than the the sort of prologue, it all takes place on one set. Kind of, it's kind of like Rear Window, where it's like a huge, expensive set. Mm-hmm. It's like this huge house. The, pre- the the premise is that he becomes like the sort of houseboy maintenance man right. at this boarding house for young women in in Hollywood. Um, and the set is clearly a soundstage, and it's the house like split in half, so you can see yeah. the foyer. We also see into the different like bedrooms and into the, like the dining area. All like, you know, you can pan across and go from room to room, and that's, that's really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but it also has it has um, it also has some dumb stuff. But it also has the highlight isn't even a comedic scene at all. There's one room, like one boarder who lives there, that he keeps being told like, you don't have to clean that room. Don't go there. <laughs> don't go in there. And so the whole movie, there's like this leader, like he keeps like almost opening the door, and then like the one who runs the place, who like isn't even in. Like in eyeshot, you know, eyesight of him will say, "Not that room," and like he walks away. But at one point, uh-huh. he walks in there, and it's like the TARDIS. It's big on the inside and the outside to the <laughs> point where it's like this huge like penthouse that has like a balcony and stuff. And there's this weird silent woman hanging from the ceiling, like, hangs from the ceiling like a spider. And then she comes down, and they go out to the balcony, and suddenly there's a full band out there, and they just have like <laughs> a dance. It's not like funny. Like it's he does just some absurd. sort of like physical stuff there. Yeah, but it's awesome. Like that's yeah. of both movies. That, that scene is yeah. my favorite part. Well, that's exactly the reason why the French love him. Shit, absurdist yeah. shit like that. They go, wow, that's fucking brilliant. Which I get. I mean, I'm a, I'm all for absurdism, but you can't make a whole career on that <laughs> and be good at it. Uh, I, I, the thing about the Nutty Professor that uh, I always think is kind of ruins the movie is the very very last shot when he gives this big speech about loving yeah. who you are and stuff 
And then he goes off with Stella Stevens and it turns out she's got two bottles in her back pocket, uh, yeah. which means she intends to turn him into Buddy Love at home, which yeah. completely negates everything he just said, right? Right, right. And also because he says, like, when he remembers his dad and his mom and how his his mom was, you know, so pushy and abusive to his dad. And he says, my poor dad, dad. But then it turns out, no, he, he mailed the thing to his dad. His dad took it. Now he's a dick. And what it seems to me, the premise, if you, if you really want to analyze it, the premise of the movie is people who have power will abuse it. Uh-huh. And certain people love that. So we're all terrible. So, hey, man, just do what you want to do. Maybe, just have have a good time. Maybe Stella just wants a Professor Kelp in the streets and a buddy loving the sheets. <laughs> maybe that's all it is. All right. Well, I'll give her that. The other thing about the Nutty Professor is it inspired the great sketch on SCTV, The Nutty Lab Assistant, starring um, Ed Grimley and John Cougar. <laughs> John Cougar was a musical guest uh-huh. on the show, and it was The Nutty Lab Assistant, which was just The Nutty Professor, but with Ed Grimley instead of Jerry Lewis. Uh-huh. And when he drank the potion, he turned into John Cougar. And just like in the movie, John Cougar walks in the bar. He's like, hey, man, give me a beer. And he's like, sure, what's your name? And the guy goes, I got to go to the John. John? John? Uh, oh, okay, what's your last name? Anybody know who, who's driving the Cougar outside? Cougar, John Cougar's the name. And then uh, the, the, uh, the girl in the, movie, in the movie played by Andrea Martin, her name's Diane. Uh-huh. So and the nutty lab assistant's name is Jack. Right. So he sings Jack and Diane in that scene. But just like in the movie, she goes, "Sing it again, Jack. Sing it again." And when he does, he ter- starts turning back into Ed Griffin. <laughs> and so it's Martin Short going, "Hey, hey, Jack! There he goes, Jack and Diane." It's fucking hysterical. I bet it's on YouTube. Um, but you should watch it. All right. So that's the main thing I watched. All right. Well, I uh, I I didn't watch a whole lot because I was busy. I just getting caught up on stuff, but the two big things that happened to me is I got verified on Twitter, which I oh I didn't even know that yeah congratulations I, it's not really something to congratulate about, and that's one of the reasons I bring it up because if you use Twitter like I do uh, for promotion and self promotion, you should do it because it's very easy to do um, and it does get you a lot of new followers. Uh, so I will say if you you specifically David Bax. You would be able to do it. Twitter has basically made it very easy for people to do in order to boost their membership and then make their product more valuable because I'm sure they want to sell it to somebody. So well, it's there's a just I'll say again what I said last week. Yeah, they had their chance. <laughs> they don't want me. I don't want them. But they, I think they do want you now. Is the point uh, too late? I huh? wait the email or phone call. Right, that's not going to happen. Twitter saying, "Please let us verify." That's what they've done. Please. They have they have done away with chasing after people and now just made it super easy to uh, to be verified. But I had to do it twice. I don't know. The first time they didn't get my email or something, but then the second time, really easy. And even my website's down. That's how easy it is. <laughs> my own website is down, but I was able to cite four different ones, including Battleship Pretension, uh-huh. as a reason why I should be verified. The biggest oh. is, of course, Wikipedia. I'm on Wikipedia, so I'm not. Battleship yeah. Pretension mm. is not on Wikipedia. It should be. But you guys are on IMDb, right? Um, I'm on IMDb for my not as bad as retention. Didn't you guys? They don't have podcasts. No, I'm saying you, there's something you guys did with IMDb. Oh well, they used to. They don't do that anymore. But it used to when you had a new episode or a new like article or whatever, you could like email them and say and like submit it. And, and then every day there'd be like five links at the bottom of the oh, page. Oh, okay. I, mean, I don't think they do that anymore. But you I'm guys, IMDb for my 
PA work. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> um, the other thing that happened is I got I was I was looking at uh, you know job postings for acting gigs, and I saw one. It was a stand-in for Louis Anderson on uh, Baskets, uh-huh. and it said, I read it now, and it said two hundred eighty pounds between five five and five eight. And I read it to Brooke. I was like, that's me, right? And she goes, yeah, but that's not Louis Anderson. And I went, oh, maybe he just looks fatter on TV. I don't know. And I submitted it, and I got the gig. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and it was a, actually a great gig. It was uh, it was me and two bearded guys who were standing in for Zach and Zach. And then this girl standing in for Martha Kelly. And they, it was basically, uh, they were trying to pick the next um, campaign for the second season of Louis. So oh. they had a bunch of examples and shot them all with us. So then they can look at them all and then say, this is the one we're shooting. And then pay the real people to come in for an hour as opposed to us for nine hours. Oh, um, so it was a great gig because I made 300 bucks for the day. It was at this awesome ad agency. The other two dudes in the shoot and the girl were very nice. Unfortunately, I had to wear women's clothes and this terrible wig all day. Um, but here's the... Uh, it, and, and I just say unfortunate just because it was uncomfortable. Um, but it was, you know, it was inside. It was a really good gig. But at one point during the day, I got a text from, uh, coincidentally enough, a transgender friend of mine uh-huh. who was upset over some shit that was going on. It had nothing to do with me. But I was like, hey, what's up? And she's like, oh, this thing happened. I'm going, oh, that's fucked. But check it out. I'm dressed as Louie Anderson today. <laughs> and I sent her the picture, and she was not down with it. She was just like, great. And I said, and, and I said, uh, so what's up? And she's like, I don't really feel like talking anymore. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bum you out. But I'm sure she, it was just like kind of like just one more thing to ruin her day. Um, but I, would, I do want to say, because I also tweeted it too, I, and it's on my Twitter page, and if that bummed anyone out, I apologize. It's not like that will be seen anywhere else, and I certainly wasn't, uh, you know, trying to make a statement about transgendered actors and actresses. And I am definitely sensitive to that whole resentment in Hollywood about transgender, uh, re- you know, cisgendered people playing transgendered characters. Yeah. I I don't know where I come down on that issue, quite frankly, but uh, I am sensitive to it. Here's what I. Here's what I, I'm trying to... I'm always trying to be a little more woke than I was the day before. We all should. Um, and I feel like... Because there are a couple things. There was, uh, I'm assuming you're talking about Matt Bomer being cast. Uh, was that the thing that had your transgender friend? Well, it's, thing that, it's just one of many. Okay, so that's Matt, the latest Matt Bomer one. was cast as a transgender character. Yeah. Um, and then there was also... This has nothing to do with transgender, but there was also the whole Lena Dunham thing uh, right. the, over, the, over the weekend. Right. And... Uh, my initial reaction to both of those things was that doesn't seem like a big deal. Right. But here's what I would like to pass on the lesson that I have learned. If a lot of people in the aggrieved party, be they transgender people or black people in both these two cases, right. are upset about this, then I, as the holder of privilege, yeah. should probably check my privilege and realize... They probably have a case. Absolutely. It might not seem like it to me because of my privilege, yeah. but if if these people are upset about something, they probably have a reason to be upset, and I should listen and try to understand why. Right. And not try to think of counter-arguments yes. immediately. The you only, I mean? Yeah, the, the, re- the reason I say I don't know where I come down on that is because, uh, you know, there are two sides to it. Obviously, 
I mean, as racist and ridiculous as it was for Ridley Scott to say, I'm not going to cast an Indian actor at, in my movie, whatever it was that he did, Prince of Egypt or whatever, you know, he's not, he said, I, I don't know any oh, um, Egyptian actors or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. There you go. As dumb as it was for him to say that, he had, Prince he basically, was animated. <laughs> you're right, you're right. And that was Jeff Goldblum, who is brown, but I don't, I, don't, I think he's Jewish, the name would say that the name <laughs> suggests but he had a point in that he's he's Ridley Scott making this huge big budget picture he needs to have a movie star in it so people go see it and I guess Christian Bale was that movie star in that case yeah and you know the uh, A-lister Joel Edgerton you know <laughs> well, up his gold, Joel Edgerton. The but only no, Egyptian the actor I can think, yeah, yeah. So, haha, on them. But I'm saying, say he. The only Egyptian actor I know of who is good is Rami Malek, who is okay. of Egyptian descent, and he is a great actor. Would you go see a movie starring him over Christian Bale? You would, but I don't know that I would. I, I think I don't think movie stars are important anymore. Okay, well, I think it, if you, you got a good ad campaign. People are going to go see the movie. It doesn't matter. The well, in terms of television. Which is really where I think this is is uh, taking hold. You know, Jeffrey Tambor and Transparent, and uh, who else? There's a couple other on TV. Well, Jared Leto in the fucking Dallas Buyers Club, yeah. which I say he sucked in. Okay, they he's good. Nah, fuck him. They should have cast a transgender actor who they could have cast a transgender actor who'd never acted before would have been better than him. But then on the other hand, you got Laverne Cox. Who is playing a transgender character on two TV shows now? Uh-huh. Uh, you got uh, that chick from uh, what was it Peaches? No, the fruit uh, Tangerine. That Tangerine movie. Yeah, that chick was great, and it yeah. got all kinds both, of both of the women are. Yeah, yeah got, I got, Maya Taylor was one of them. Yeah, so they got all kinds of lot. So there are transgender actors and actresses who can carry it off, and I think in terms of TV, like you know, Transparent. While you're right. Jeffrey Tambor is an old, white, bald man playing a transgender character. But then again, there's at least two or three other transgender actors and actresses Mm -hmm. on that show. So it's like a trade-off because show business is business, I'm sorry to say. And if you want to shoot your movie on your fucking cell phone, by all means, cast whoever you want. (laughs) Because clearly you have no money to spend on anyone anyways. But if you're making a major television show for a network or a major movie for a major film studio, you got to get a big name, and I, you know. I, and I, I disagree. I disagree, especially with television, because the, the adage that's older than I am about television is that stars don't make TV shows; TV shows make stars. Well, so. you do have to get somebody who's very talented, and in the case of well, Jeffrey so Tambor, talented trans actors but, out there. But in the case of Jeffrey Tambor, he has already been proven to be one of the best TV actors of our generation, right? Especially when it comes to somebody who can do comedy and drama equally well. I mean, he's in the upper echelon of TV actors like John Lithgow and people like that. Speaking of, John Lithgow was one of the first men right, to play a right. transgender character. And that was huge. Everybody was happy about that at the time because it was so groundbreaking. And he won a fucking Oscar for it. So here's what I say. If you're not as good as John Lithgow and Garp, don't fucking do it. That's what I say. If you can't reach the level of John Lithgow, Oscar winner in Garp, then you're no good, a.k.a. Jared Leto. But I will say uh, the best thing about the gig, well, not the best thing. The best thing, best thing was the money I made. But the other great thing about the gig is 
like I said, both the guys who were playing Zach and Zach were like hairy dudes with uh-huh. big big beards, but they were the sweetest guys. One of them is basically plays the other twin on Louie. You know, when there's a scene where both twins are in it at the same time, but you only see the back of one of them, he's that guy. And not on Louie, on Baskets, I mean. On Baskets, okay. Yeah, he's that guy. So he was the regular guy, and I was like, so I was like, this guy knows what he's doing, and he was super nice. And then he said, he got an, he, he, uh, he saw a casting for big, big, big men or big, big, big women, uh-huh. and he recognized the email, and he said, oh, this is the Baskets lady. Send her an email. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I did. And then I sent her the picture that I had taken of myself. And I said, hey, I hear you're looking for Louis stand-ins. I'm doing that today. <laughs> so here's my number. And she wrote back and said, sounds good. Because I had actually submitted myself for it. So I booked another gig for that for Thursday. Whereas that one was for the, the first one was for the ad campaign. This is for the actual show. But I don't know what I'll be doing. But uh, I hope it's great. The best thing is I might get to see Zach again and go, hey, remember when we were on Boston Common together? Good times. What what have you been doing lately? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about. Oh yeah, let's talk about the I night like the of. Idea that, what? what? That when they come up with these different ideas for the ad campaign, they show them to Zach Galifianakis. He's. I would be, imagine he's being an be exec like, creator and executive producer. Yeah, and he's gonna be like, that no, he won't say Boston that. Common. No, because he won't because he doesn't he doesn't want to remind people he was ever on Boston Common. <laughs> I, he's already he. I've heard him refer to it as a shit com. So I don't, I, I don't think he wants to remember that. And I remember one time at the Improv when I was the MC and he was going up. I would always ask everybody, "Is there anything you would like me to say?" That was my job as the MC. Some people would say, "Yes, tell them this." You know, Sarah Silverman said, "Yeah, tell them School of Rock is opening Friday," or whatever. But most people would go, "I don't care," which was a mistake because then I would say something usually fucked up, <laughs> like uh, one night. I did everybody. Jimmy Brogan, Wayne Fetterman, and Kathy Ladman were all on the show. And so for Jimmy Brogan, I said, you probably remember him best as Random the Angel from Out of the Blue on ABC. Jimmy Brogan. And then I said, you probably remember Kathy Ladman best as the lady in the elevator on Caroline in the City. Because that was her name, even though she was in every episode. Yeah. Kathy Ladman. And I said, you probably remember this next comedian best as Wayne Fetterman on The X-Files. Give it up for Wayne Fetterman. Um, but and then the worst one was I said uh, it was this dude I can't remember his name now, but he used to, he was on the original Baywatch when it was on the network, and he goes whatever you want to say, and I said all right. This next guy was on Baywatch on NBC. Give it up, and he was pissed. Really? Yeah, and I went well. You shouldn't have told me. Say whatever <laughs> you want. I literally said whatever I want. Uh-huh. But but Zach said to me, I was walking up to Zach to ask him that, and before I could, he said. Don't mention that we've ever worked together. <laughs> and so I didn't mention that we worked together. Um, but have you he, ever heard this? Yeah. What was the other show that Zach Galifianakis was on? They got canceled? It was a drama? It was a... Oh, yeah. True Calling with Eliza Dushku. That's it. Um, have you ever heard him tell the story about when they gathered the, everyone around to tell them they'd been canceled? Like he went, whew, or something. Yeah. What happened was they said they're... They're replacing us with some team surfing drama called North Shore. Or I remember that. And then he, the, the, so the EP like asked, "Does anybody have any questions?" And Zach Galifianakis said, "Do you know the casting director for North Shore?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember North Shore on Fox. That was a shit show. True Calling was decent, at least had a good idea. Uh, all right, let's talk about the night of finale. There's not a whole lot to say here, other than Even it was. 
feature length. Yeah. I literally, I went to the movies today. The movie I saw today was shorter than the final episode of The Night Of. And Night Of was probably better written, right? No, actually, the movie I saw today. Better was acted? Uh, no, I saw oh. a movie today called uh, Little Men, which is a terrific movie. Yeah. And you didn't, and when I asked you at the beginning of the podcast, have you seen any interesting movies, that didn't occur to you I've as one so of them. I've seen so many movies. Are they all interesting? Yeah, that's the thing, that, that they're all so good that it's not worth... I think you're full anyway, of shit. So Little I've heard is, Little uh, Man is good. Greg Kinnear, uh, Alfred Molina has a small part, yeah. so it's a good movie. I heard it's excellent. Um, um, anyway. Uh, but it was great. The Night Of was great. It was pretty much, you know, what you would expect. Uh, uh, I personally was not uh, surprised or bothered by the fact that we don't know who the killer was, ultimately. Oh, see, I think the... The show is making it pretty clear. I think so too. Costanza's character, but it's really beside the point. And people who are upset that they that they need some kind of closure, they miss the point of the whole fucking show. But here's the thing: I disagree with those people. I think the the show, and I I do think it was really really good. But I would say it maybe be, maybe made a mistake by giving us too much closure. Not only by first making it pretty clear that it was him, mm-hmm. but then also having that scene between Jeannie Berlin and Bill Camp where she's like. Let's go get it. Like right, that's, right. That pretty much says, like, okay, now they haven't convicted anyone of this crime. They've essentially dropped the charges against Nas. They're free to pursue another suspect. Yes. And they're going to go get this guy. But I think... So to me, that is close. But, yes, to you. But I think your average <laughs> TV viewer who is used to having everything tied up so nicely in the 60 minutes... You know, this was weeks and weeks they've invested in their of their lives, and people are upset. People will look at this and go, "God damn it, it's another lost. It's another the leftovers." When, because you know that's what that people are mad about. That people are mad when they watch an hour long show, a half hour sitcom, and it says to be continued, and they have to wait fucking the next day. People are pissed. There's never going to be anything else about these characters, right? So. To, to think that, you know, to ache for really good, you know, cut and dried closure, you're never going to get that. And you know people are pissed about it. But I honestly saw that coming. I said, I, I seriously doubt that they're going to tell us who murdered this woman. And it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I felt the same way going in. I didn't expect to find out. Yeah. Maybe that's why it felt like closure to me, because I was right. surprised that they went so far. I'll, <laughs> I'll say this. I saw Paulo Costanzo's name in the credits. And I knew who he was from Joey and Royal Pains, which was a, a show well, I enjoyed. Been a bit. in two episodes of this, maybe even three. No, no, no. I'm talking about oh. in, the, in the first okay. episode. I saw yeah, yeah. his name in the credits. He didn't appear until John Turturro went to her funeral. Yeah, and even then, and then you could barely tell. It was him. You could barely tell. I didn't so, realize until later. That it was yeah, him. but it was in that episode that John Turturro went back to her house and grabbed her cat. That was the first episode he, he okay. when he took control of the cat. And I turned to Brooke and I said, if that cat is friendly to everyone and then Paulo Costanzo comes over and it hisses at him, I'm going to be super pissed <laughs> because it would be the most hackneyed bullshit thing in any movie ever. And I would say this show can go fuck itself. And to its credit, that never even came close to happening. Right, yeah. And in fact, the cat stuff was some of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah. Him going back and forth with the cat. Yeah. I love the uh, the Chinese herbalist. Get rid of your cat. <laughs> and that was great, too, because he shows... And it looks like he's cured. He shows up, and he's telling all these guys, look how I'm cured. And and then the, the herbalist says, get rid of your cat. Well, he doesn't get rid of his cat, and it turns out he's not cured anyways. Yeah. It came back worse than ever. And so what the fuck does that guy know about cats, you know? I thought that was great. And when the cat got out and was sleeping with him, 
That was awesome because he yeah. didn't notice it until he woke up and couldn't breathe. Yeah. Because cats are great. And then, of course, the very end. Which is great. When you think he got rid of the cat. When you're sure, you're positive he got rid of the cat. And not only didn't he, but he lets it run around his, his apartment now. Yeah. Brilliant. Perfect ending to the show, in my opinion. Uh, and then on top of everything else, all the performances. I think, to me, the last episode was great because of his closing arguments. I thought it was a little corny at first. Like when she kissed him, which I guess happened episode before or two before. Yeah, two episodes, I think. When she kissed him, I was like, well, she's just ruined her career. Why would she do that? And it occurred to me, she may have actually even done that on purpose to uh, to help his case, to, to tank the case. Yeah, I don't think that's what she did, though. But in any case, it almost did. But it, it, it basically, it's almost like it was, this is like a Sidney Lumet lecture on filmmaking because that that one instance that happened two episodes before just fucking skyrocketed the tension of the whole show because when the judge says well we're not gonna do, we're not gonna have a mistrial you're gonna argue and John Stewart goes you can't do that and the judge is like I can I'm going to fucking do that <laughs> not only can I I will and then he gives the most brilliant yeah. succinct well-spoken argument I've ever seen on a court show. And he references everything that's great. He's like, look at me. I'm a fucking mess. Look at this guy. When he, you know, when he got arrested, he didn't look anything like this. And he had to do this just because he was in jail. He's not even guilty of anything. But he had to do this to survive. It was basically the show was, look how fucked up the judicial system is. Well, let me say this. Again, you're putting me in a position to be the decrier, even though I did like... Uh, the show overall. It's okay. You but can I, play devil's advocate. I, I think... But these are things I really believe. I think the um, planting that... Uh, the, the planting of the kiss, if you will, a couple of episodes before mm-hmm. um, is a little creakier than I think you see it. It's it's a little obvious. It's I think it's a cheat on um, Chandra's character to have uh-huh. this seemingly capable woman uh, make this obvious mistake just to, just so that two episodes later it can serve the plot point of having Jack Shiro give the closing arguments. It seems okay. a little obvious. And then a lot of the stuff that he's talking about about Nas, and this is a problem I had the entire series, The Nas's arc once he goes to prison feels less like it's about the character and more like it's about the screenwriter, screenwriter making an argument, like making, like laying out this lecture of this is how prison turns people into criminals whether they mm-hmm. are or not. It mm-hmm. seems like a lot of those choices all along the way are more um, about uh, being demonstrative of the point he's trying to make uh-huh. than being true to the character. And I think that's where the show, I think, falls short of the great HBO prestige mm-hmm. dramas. Um, but I also think that was the point of the show also. Yeah, but I think if you do it like... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like The Wire found ways to illustrate points. And I'm not one to sit here and praise The Wire like everyone else because it is an overrated show to some extent but The Wire did a much better job of making points through characters uh, yeah than, than this did but also this was a limited series and The Wire had all those many seasons to do it you know and it just would basically say we're not telling that story anymore now we're telling this story <laughs> right. you know so I, I think it had it had that advantages but I mean, obviously this show was very specific in the story it was telling because the guy who goes to jail here in L.A. for a crime he may or may not have committed is having 
maybe a similar experience, but very, very different than than this guy. And, you know, it was a very New York-centric show in every way. You know the woman who played the, the DA? Jeannie Berlin. You know who her parents are? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't get much oh, more New York she, than and, that. Because she's the girl from the Heartbreak Kid. Right. Right? It doesn't get I much more. It doesn't get much more New York than that. You know, all the actors, like guys who you only see in, you know, Boardwalk Empire and shows that are shot in New York, uh, and, and then the fact that this dude's name is Dwayne Reed. Yeah. You know, Brooke turns to me and goes, "Is that true, or did they make that up for the show?" I know that yeah, only because I've been to New York. Same Brooke, thing, yeah. who's well traveled, she did, she didn't know that. You know what I mean? And if I had known it, I would have went. That seems fucking stupid. What they just made up a a drugstore named Dwayne Reed for that gag? Yeah, and, that's a good point. right. It would have seemed corny, yeah. but because I know there is a place named Dwayne Reed, because that's exactly what every single New Yorker would do. They would go, <laughs> "Yeah, I was there with Dwayne Reed, huh? <laughs> his name's Dwayne Reed. Is that his real name or his nickname? No, goddamn it, that's what you say. You know, it's like saying it's like one time I saw I don't remember who it was. It was a basketball player on Jimmy Kimmel, and he brought out his nephew whose name was Savon. <laughs> <laughs> but he was raised in the South where there are where there were no Savons. Right. There are none anymore. But Jimmy Kimmel goes, Do you have a niece named Walgreens? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's such a and also because even in like just the boroughs, you know, but also it told everybody else's story, his parents and how his mom had to beg for work, his dad had to deliver food, yeah. the dudes were gonna fucking sue him to get their cab back. His brother is getting in fights now. You know, other uh, the lady in the burqa was like so totally pissed at them because uh-huh. it was their fault. You know, all that shit was really what the st- what the story was about. And then all the shit in prison. You know, like my, one of my favorite parts was when he said, "Oh well, since his wife is going to come meet him, you don't need me right. for the drugs because they can kiss and and pack it that way." And he can shit it out himself instead uh-huh. of having me shit it out. And and that I'm sure there's a million people who watch this and went, eh, is this really what they do in prison? Because they have no fucking idea. I, the answer is yes. That is, sure. that is what happens. But they had no fucking idea. And how the the whole uh, um, prevailing you know feeling about how that's just the way business is done. You know, this guy's in prison with six cell phones that he uh-huh. lets people use for money. Everybody everybody knows what's going on, and they're all getting a piece of it. You know, he's fucking one of the guards and mm-hmm. paying her rent, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, there, are, there are, and that wasn't even like, you know, that was a prison, but he was still in like the holding area of the prison, you right. know? He, yeah. wasn't even a, he wasn't even guilty. So, yes, it's a crazy fucking world. I think that was the point of it. But bottom line is, it was a great story well told, but at the end, I wondered how different would it have been with James Gandolfini. Right. You know what I mean? Especially that last scene when the judge says, you have to give the closing arguments. You know, it's a little different when John Turturro goes, what? No, uh, I can't do that, judge. Uh, like this skinny, you know, old douchebag. But James Gandolfini is a big, imposing guy. Right. You know, I mean, he would have had to play it very differently. And, I mean, I can see why he wanted to do this, because it was the role of a lifetime. It was completely different well, from anything. Well, I'd say anything. Soprano was probably his role of a lifetime. I'm saying but, that... Yeah, as you mean, it's, it's unlike right. what he usually And does. he was easing into that. Like, you see... Uh, enough said. Enough said. But well, even before that, that Robert Redford movie, where he was the warden of that 
You know that I never saw that. The Last Castle. Yeah, Last Castle. He was very reserved, and he was the bad guy in the movie. Clearly, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then enough said. He's this. You know, was he in the loop? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was great in that. So yeah, all very different. And this would have been like people would have went, "Oh my God, James Gandolfini is the greatest American actor ever." Uh, this probably would have pushed him because he would have. He probably would have played downplayed his accent, you know, unlike everyone else in the show <laughs> who's clearly from New York, but. We'll never know, but at least we have this great show. And I, I really liked seeing John Turturro again. I forgot how much I enjoyed him. Yeah. He's, he's a fucking great actor. He is one of my all-time favorite actors, mostly because Barton Fink is my all-time favorite movie. Really? But, uh, yeah. But, I, yeah, I love John Turturro and everything. Even in terrible movies like Fading Gigolo. Uh, he's, oh, he's I good. heard. Did you see that? No, I heard about it. The whole premise sounds just fucking retarded to me. <laughs> Woody Allen is a pimp, and he's pimping out John Turturro to Sharon Stone? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. That makes zero sense. <laughs> It makes no sense at all. Nothing in that sentence uh, even comes close. Um, but uh, even, like, what was it? Uh, the one that, the fucking Orson Welles uh, about the gang, actor's gang movie uh, Tim Robbins made. Crater Will Rock. Yeah, yeah, he's great in that. I don't remember that. Yeah, he's one of the actors in it, okay. but he's one of many. Um, all right, so, but the good thing is if you didn't watch it, now you can go back and binge it. Uh, and, you know, feel like you got something done. Much like uh, the get down. I finished the get down over oh, the yeah. weekend. <laughs> That's what I say about that show. It's fucking powerful. Okay. I wish it was... Uh, you should watch it on your regular TV, though. Don't watch it on your computer. If you have a Roku or yeah. if you can watch Netflix on your TV, watch it that way. Because the music is fucking phenomenal. I got a smart Blu-ray player. Oh, it's real smart. Fancy, yeah. I can, I can watch Netflix on Netflix. You can do that on your PlayStation, whatever. On your Wii. We have a Roku, so it's all good. Um, all right, we done with that? Yeah. Okay, so trivia last week. Um, I asked David what were... Uh, I was on a TV Guide. There were four stars on the TV Guide. And they were all they all had new shows that were premiering in the fall, all of which failed miserably. One of them starred Gina Davis, and it was called the Gina Davis Show. And he didn't know the other three, uh, and no, apparently nobody else did either. A lot of people guessed, but no I one. Think based on the guesses I saw, yeah, I don't think you did say sitcom. You told me that you said sitcom, really? Because when I guessed dramas, you were like, "No, I said sitcom." But other listeners guessed dramas as well. I think maybe you left out the part that they were supposed to be sitcoms. Okay, but that doesn't. That still, there's only three answers that qualify. Yeah. Okay, so it was Bette Midler in Bet, okay, uh, where she played a, a version of herself. Michael Richards in the Michael Richards Show, which he, uh, was horrible. He played a private detective, Vic Nardazzo, I think was his name, and John Goodman. Uh, in normal Ohio, yeah. where he played the uh, a, a, a guy who's just a middle aged guy coming out of the closet to his family, mm-hmm. and uh, the only and Charles Rocket, late Charles Rocket, played his brother in law on that show, and his dad was played by Orson Bean, who was a filthy, horrible homophobe and racist. One of the funniest performances I've ever seen because if huh. you know anything about Orson Bean, he's a super nice man. Uh, but it was a great performance, so nobody got it right. So you guys can all go fuck yourselves. I got a lot of t-shirts, but I think I might keep them. I got another Dr. Worm shirt. Um, Are you a fan of They Might Be Giants? Yeah. 
You want this Dr. Worm shirt? Well, what size is it? Um, I don't know. Well, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I got a black one and a white one, but I will probably never wear this white one. 3X. Yeah, I have no use for that. Really? I don't know anyone who needs that. What do you mean, who needs it? You don't need a fucking Giants shirt. <laughs> yeah, you wear it because you're a fan. But wouldn't where? you like to see Natalie come and slip into bed wearing this She's big ass shirt? She's not going to wear that. It wouldn't even thing is, stay on her. Every time I she put the, the neck hole would literally <laughs> sleep down her shoulders. Yeah. No, but she comes to bed in that and she's like, hi. And, you, and, all you, and it, we show from your perspective and it's my face on her body. <laughs> well, I, I might give that away as a prize. I also got a couple of shirts from T-Fury. One of them is like an Odin shirt. And I wore it today at... But I don't know if I'll ever wear it again. I think it's kind of dumb. But I did get this kick-ass Godzilla shirt. But you have a question for this week, David? Yes. Um, in relation to our next show, the Great Food Truck Race, one of the contestants this this uh, this year is Vinny from Jersey Shore. Right. And there's another reality show, reality competition show, uh, whose upcoming season's cast has just been announced that features a former Jersey Shore castmate, do you know what the new well, show is? If I watched the Great Food Truck Race, didn't I see at least two, three commercials for it? Oh, we were thinking about different things. I'm thinking about the worst chefs, the worst chefs ever, Celebrity oh, Edition. I have no idea who's on that from the Jersey Shore. Uh, the situation. No, I didn't know that. Really? I fast forward the commercials, so I had no idea. Oh well, that's you, not the answer. You've seen that show, right? It's um, it's Rachel I Ray and that. Ever watched the celebrity version? It's, but they, I, no, this is the first celebrity. Oh, okay, version. yeah, I have watched the show before. But it's uh, it's the celebrities are him. Barbara Eden, Natalie Cohn, Matt Dallas, who I don't know who that is, but I know he's somebody. I don't know who most of the people you just... I don't know Barbara Eden is, but I don't know who most Nat- of the Mindy Cohn. She played Natalie on Facts of Life. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, those are the four most famous ones I mentioned. The rest are nothing. So, the, But that's not the answer. It's that's not Mike. No, there's another Mike show the situation. whose cast oh. was just announced this week. And it's a reality show? It's a reality competition show. And someone from Jersey Shore is on it. Is Yeah, yeah. So if that's, it can't be Dancing with the Stars, right? Because all those guys have already been on that show. Okay, Dancing it's with the Stars. Okay, I didn't think so. Because, uh, yeah, all those dummies have already been on it. And, it's, and I know uh, Velo or whatever her name is was on uh, JWoww. She was on that diving show. And the situation was on Swimming with the Stars. I thought all those guys were done. But... Am I supposed to guess the show? Yeah, guess the show. Uh, I will guess... Um, uh, knife Fight. No, it's not going to be on uh, <laughs> TNT's Knife Fight. Oh, okay. Here, you want to write it down? Yeah. Um, that's weird that all these uh, dudes from the Jersey Shore are coming back to do other shit. Oh, Christ. Okay, so if you know the answer... I, I I didn't know they announced the cast for that already. It seems like it hasn't. They didn't make a big deal. It wasn't a big announcement, but it was announced this. Week. Oh, you know why? Because it's a new host, first of all, right? Yeah, that's a clue. Yeah, it's a, it's a new host. That's why, and I think they're it because just the I'm probably giving it away, but just the the mention of this show uh-huh. is giving him airtime because he's a producer still. Oh, I think okay. it's a fair use thing, so they can only show commercials for the show. If they do fair use, because it is his show, okay. Even though he's not on it, so uh, that's so obviously I pretty much gave away the yeah, answer. Yeah, let's still see. Well, who is, who is the person from Jersey Shore who's on it? You can say that. Um, the is, what's her name? Snooky. 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 Oh, yeah. okay. She's probably the biggest from Jersey Shore, yeah. and she's a real person now. She's got a 
family, you know, a kid to worry about. So she's not a selfish dink like those other a-holes. God, Mike Sorrentino, I don't know what his problem is, man. He's on steroids or something, but he's got, like, huge cheeks on these this fucking celebrity, terrible, worst cooks in America show. Uh, I feel bad for him now. Um, but if you know the answer, send it to Paul at thekingoftv.com. And thekingoftv.com is down now, but you could still, I still have the email. But wasn't it back up for a little it bit? It was, and then it went down again. I keep getting hacked, and people keep getting spammed, and my server keeps shutting it down. So I talked to my web guy, and I think we're going to go with a new server. But you could still reach me, Paul, at thekingoftv.com, and you can still get this show, obviously, via Libsyn and uh, all the subscriptions. And... Um, uh, you can also follow the new verified Paul Goble on Twitter, at Paul Goble Show. You can also be my friend on the Facebook. Uh, all those people, I'm still you know, hearing from so many friends and fans uh, about um, you know, who said we're glad you're back and, and all that stuff like that. And uh, that makes at least two of us. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I'm happy. You know, Don't feel bad that if you didn't know about it or didn't hear about it, that's not your job. But uh, you should feel good that you sent me a note because you made me feel better. So I appreciate all that. Um, and oh, and uh, uh, I'm going to be on Tim Cam Media uh, tomorrow, uh, the fall of television with Paul Goldie. If you go to my Facebook page or you go to my Twitter, you'll see me tweet about it. Um, Nick and D and, and those guys, we're going to talk about TV. And uh, it's always a fun show. So uh, do that. Also, I finished watching Lady Dynamite. I th- okay. Have you watched any no, of that? I haven't watched any of it yet. Here's what's great about Lady Dynamite. It's a super funny show. I think I already told you this, but it says such a great thing about mental health, and obviously that's on my mind lately. Right. So it's funny. I started watching the show before I went to the Nut House, and I finished it when I got out. So I really saw what the point she was trying to make. You know, Maria has been institutionalized three different times in her life, uh, you know, like locked down. And if I can give you one piece of advice about killing yourself, uh, it's don't get thrown in the nut house after you try to kill yourself because uh, it sucks. Mm. It is a grim and dismal place. And you will look around and see people who are worse off than you. And not only will you be sad that you're there, but you will feel like an asshole that you tried to kill yourself when there's dudes right next to you who can't even fucking hold a conversation with a person, uh, a normal person. Um, but things are going well, so thank you for reaching out. And uh, I think that's all about me. But David... Yeah, I don't have anything that profound to say. Except you were in the nut house, though, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Nope. Um, oh, I thought you were in the nut house for a while. <laughs> I'm talking about that place you worked where you sold nuts. You remember that? No, that's... The Nut House is the, name, is the place where I was an exotic dancer. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You guys just all wore brown Speedos. The Nut House. That's right. Give it up, ladies. Who's ready for to go nuts? And what was your stripper name again? Do you remember what it was? Uh, it was Glitter Diablo. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Glitter Diablo. Wait, is that your like literally your stripper name? That was your cat's name in the street you lived on? Oh no, my if, it, if you're going with first pet and street, my porn name is Max Mead. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, mine's Fred Raskob. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an awesome stripper name too. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can find me uh, at battleshipretention.com, trying to be a little more woke every day. 
you can email me at david at com, and you can and ought to follow me probably unverified on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Now what if Tyler goes ahead and gets himself verified? Won't that look weird? That one uh, half of the show is verified? Yeah, we'll it'll, to him. It'll make you know. look... I'll go, I'll go back on all this in a second. Dude. Oh really? This is just me being a dick. I'm telling you it's all you gotta do is you just have to qualify in like four different categories and then send an email. And I mean, you've never been on TV. I don't know. No, it's not even about that. All you got to do is, I mean, first of all, you have to put your like your birthday up there so they so they know you're a real person. That's not true, actually. I was on TV. I was in. uh, uh, I I was in a sketch on Stupid Face. Oh, really? Uh, One of Zaldron's sketches. Oh Jesus! The worst part of Stupid Face, and I was on that show. I I know for a fact that. Oh, I like Zaldron. His shit, I do too. But that shit on he did on that show. In the words of Danforth, France, we're all jerk-offs. It was just <laughs> jerk-off material. But, no, you just have to you have to give them all this verifying information. I was actually in a sketch with Danforth. Yes. <laughs> ah, there you go. So they know it. But you also have to show why you're culturally relevant. And you have to give as many examples as you can. You know, And like I said, one of my examples was the Battleship Pretension page. So okay. I, think, I think it would be easy for you guys to do that. Um, all right, so moving on to the great food truck race. Yeah. Maybe the last time I ever watch this show. Well, this might... I get the impression this will be the last season that it exists, because... Well, at the, do, yeah. At, at the end of last season, last year, um, the writing was kind of on the wall, because they uh, like clearly shot what was intended to be a two-part finale, mm-hmm. and then cut the show out of it, and it aired it as one episode, because they were like, we're not giving this thing any more time. So I was actually kind of surprised that it came back. But it's come back with fewer trucks. This is going to be a short... It's going to be like yeah. five or six episodes. It's so, a family edition. Uh, yeah, so they've got a hook. Kind of. Like, well, at least two people of, on the on each three-person team are related yeah, by marriage think, or blood. That happens, having watched the show for years, that yeah. happens almost every year. Like, there's a lot of... Everybody, that, everyone? Okay. But I'm wondering if it happened this year where they're like... Huh. <laughs> like, they just well, noticed. I wouldn't like, be surprised. And just like, let's call it family condition. Well, because, like, uh, the Ms. Mama truck, whatever, the barbecue southern cooking truck, it's, you know, this man and woman who are married, clearly, and then some little white guy that they call their barbecue son, they don't really address yeah. how they know him. I think he was cast. And I think, I think, think? In, yeah, I think in some cases they were like, well, like, it was, you know, uh, let's get Vinny and his parents. Boom. Here's this girl and her sister, and they have another person. Boom. Right. You know, this chick and her sister and their cousin. Great. I think this man and woman came on, and they were like, we got to have them get on the show. Do you have any kids? No. Do you have a brother or sister? No. <laughs> Your parents? Dead. And they were like, well, let's just fucking cast it. And so instead of casting a joke, like, he's our son or whatever, they right. just say, you know, let's cast this short little Jewish or Italian guy, whatever he is. Because he's a big personality. Yeah. I think that's what happened with that. I think he... I thought he was Latino because okay. when he says the word quesadilla, he says it. Like, he, <laughs> like he knows what he's Gives talking about. Gizadilla. Yeah. That's the only reason I think he might be Latino. Possible. Um, uh, I, here's, here's the problem with this show. And it. I remember when we watched it before and why I hated it so much. But I, I was able to pinpoint why this show is bullshit and why shows like it are bullshit. It's the... It's the way they interview and edit the show. Unlike Survivor or The Amazing Race or any decent reality show that has, uh, you know, settings involved, uh-huh. 
they they interview so many of them on the fly in the back of the cab, you know, right at the finish line uh, yeah, yeah. that night when there's you know spending the night wherever they are, uh, and on Survivor, obviously, there's you know this shit just happened. Go talk to them. The problem with this show, and it's not the only show that does it, but they shoot all this stuff. And then they sit them down at the end of the season yep. and go, remember this? And they're like, oh, barely. Okay, then say this. And they're so fucking produced and so rehearsed and so phony that it's fucking annoying I to think, watch. Um, I'm glad you pinpointed it. Yeah, because it does feel uh, overproduced in that way. And, and that makes it... Uh, I, I never would have realized that's exactly why, but I know they do that. Right? That makes sense because it, it makes it... The show that should be more like Amazing Race in its structure, right? And it makes it feel more like like Storage Wars. That's exactly you know? right. Whereas, like in this in this first episode, when I don't remember, I guess it was the Southern Truck where they they parked but couldn't open their thing because there was a tree. Oh right. Yeah. So then they backed up, and now there's a parking meter. Well, that probably happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, and it wasn't like the end of the world. Yeah. They just moved. But when they have to remind them that that happened a month ago. And go, remember when you guys couldn't get the thing up? And they're like, oh, yeah, that did happen, huh? They right. can't reproduce those feelings. Yeah. They're not actors, and most actors can't reproduce, you know, something stupid that happened a month ago that they can barely remember. So they have to pretend that it just happened, and they're just, and what it comes off is, uh, as is bad acting. And I feel bad for them because they're not actors, so they shouldn't have yeah. to act. And, and because of that setup, the producers are able to coach them in terms of, what to say and so and because there's no actual writers or comedians on the show the stupid shit they get them to say the jokes and stuff are all horrible insultingly bad and that's the worst part for me they go we thought we were going to pull up and get all kinds of business and then they show them just sitting waiting Uh and then cut back uh maybe not oh (laughs) jesus really (laughs) You had all this footage, and that's what you were able to fucking put together. That's why that's that's why it's important to have union writers on these fucking shows, because otherwise you get some intern or story producer in quotes, and that's the shit they do, and it's fucking terrible. And if you want a comedian to write on your show, you should pay them to write jokes. Case in point, you may have noticed I got uh, this cardboard Zingbot here. I was going to ask you about that. It's, it's new, right? Yeah. We that just, wasn't here. No, we just got it like a couple of days ago. For those of you who don't know, Zingbot is this character on Big Brother who once a year comes out and he zings them all. And it's a, I love it because all the burn they're basically burns. Uh-huh. They're always pretty funny. And they're stuff that you've been thinking up until this episode anyways. Yeah. And so he basically calls them out on it. And it's really funny. Plus, he talks in a funny voice, like a robot would. And then they do a challenge that is somehow related to Zingbot. Um, and then he took on a life of his own on Twitter and whatever. But this Zingbot came with a little voice box. And, uh, and then Brooke also got me... Oh, shit, I don't have it. Brooke also got... I'm not going to play it. It also got me a, a keychain. Uh-huh. But they only say one thing. Uh-huh. It says, zing, zing. Zingity zing 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 zing. That's it. That's all it says. And so I know it's, it's to you to provide the zing. Right. And I know it's because the dude who writes the zings is very likely a comedy writer mm-hmm. who gets paid to write jokes because these are good jokes. And he probably has in his contract, these are said on the show, only on the show. You do not own the jokes in any other way, shape, or form. 
You can't market the jokes. You can't reprint them. I write them for the show. If you want to do that otherwise, you give me money. And that's why you fucking pay that guy. Because he's going to supply good comedy, good material. And especially when your host is Tyler Florence. All in all fairness, not a comedian, barely a TV personality. Yeah, he's he's off. Right, he's he just always, a chef. Always been the weak link of the show. And 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 I'll, and again, I, it's not his fault. He's just a cook. He's barely a chef. He's a cook. And they tell him to say stuff that might have been funny in theory, but he doesn't have the delivery. I mean, he's worse than you know fucking Bobby Flay, who I want to punch in the <laughs> face. At least he knows how to like tell a joke or deliver a line. You know, he's still a complete douche. But like, uh, did you ever watch the Next Great American Restaurant? No. Um, I, we loved it. We watched it every week because uh, it was a great premise. We knew it was a fucking scam because the guy who won opened up his restaurant at the Hollywood Highland Showplace for like a month, and then they shut it down. It was a joke, but. We liked it, it. Was fun to watch them all, and then watch the judges. There's Bobby Flay, that Mexican chick who's on all the cooking shows. Okay, and uh, and then the dude who invented Chipotle, who was like it was his okay. show. But they're doing this one episode where it's food trucks. They give them all food trucks to go sell their shit. And this one guy is selling Italian food, mostly meatballs, and he had little packets of Parmesan cheese, you know. That you get like with your pizza. Mm-hmm. And they're eating his meatballs and stuff. And he comes out and he goes, what do you think, guys? And Bobby goes, well, the food's good. And he picks up a packet and goes, but I hate this. Mm-hmm. I hate this so much with a passion. And I was like, "That's that was the only time I ever liked Bobby Flay. Because first of all, he's being honest. Mm-hmm. And you get why he hates that. It should be, at very least, should be shakers of Parmesan cheese. Mm-hmm. If not fresh grated. But he was basically saying... Even if I came up here and loved the food, these fucking packets would piss me off so much. And he was able to, to uh, you know, to, to vocalize that and to make it clear how he felt. Uh, you know, and, and maybe he even said to the producers, these fucking packets are ridiculous. Who did this? <laughs> and someone was like, okay, Bobby, keep that. Tell, let's, let's keep that anger going. So uh, that's the problem with the show. It's so clearly shot on the cheap. And in this first episode, obviously Magic Mountain paid for everything because they begin there and they end there. Yeah. Now, for those of you who watch the show, help me out here. When you spend a day at Magic Mountain, is Italian food really what you're in the mood for? <laughs> a fucking chicken parmesan or mastacholi? Yeah, before you get on the uh, on a right. Oh, yeah. I'm hot and sweaty and thirsty. Give me some marinara. Mmm, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah, something, something heavy and creamy before I get on this roller coaster. Um, the only saving but, grace of the show, for me, was the food. They actually made some cool food. Yeah, but I will say this about... You've been to Magic Mountain. Yeah. The, the food offerings there are fucking terrible. Yeah, you can find so the, it might some be good something, stuff. I might, if I were at Magic Mountain, I might if there were a food truck, I might be like... Thank God. I don't care if that it's not the <laughs> ideal food here. Yeah. It's better than the like terrible. Well, you got The thing is, thing. you got to go to the specialty carts. Like if you go to the grilled corn cart where all they have is grilled corn. Okay. It's good. It's good grilled right. corn. If you go to the corn dog cart where all they have is corn dogs, it's delicious. Granted, it's a corn dog. Yeah. It's deep fried corn dog, but it's delicious. You gotta go if you go if you want really good fries. You gotta go to the fry place. I had been to that fry place in Magic right, that's and that's good. all they have there. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to the cafeteria or the fucking snack shop or whatever, their food there is bull. Especially if you go into that Moose Lodge place. Yeah. Ugh, what a fucking mess. Yeah, it's all horrible and it's so overpriced. 
And yeah, and falling apart. Like, yeah. I know that they clearly have not kept the Moose Lodge. It's been a few years since I've been there, but it is not kept no. up to date. Like, I'm literally, I wouldn't, I don't want to sit under one of the Moose heads. I'm literally <laughs> afraid it's going to fall on me. When you go, um, when you go to Disneyland and then go to Magic Mountain, you see where all the money is. Like, yeah. ma- like Magic Mountain's about roller coasters. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let me say this about food, Great Food Truck Race and how it's. This the show is on fumes at this point, um, and I think a big part of it, as you saw, now you haven't watched the show as often as I have, mm-hmm. but the totals that they came up with at the end of this episode yeah. were dreadful. Yeah, and I think what that speaks to is that the bloom is off the rose as far as food trucks. Food trucks. Like, well, I think it used to be to a certain extent with this show. It's like. You show up somewhere, open up a food truck, and people are curious enough that you get some business just from people being like, "Ooh, a food truck!" Right. But now there's a food truck, around, you know, you can yeah. go around the corner. There's oversaturated. The so I don't think that the, the I think the novelty of the show is worn off. Yeah, it's partly because I mean it was a good business model for a long time. I want to start a restaurant, the most, the biggest failing business in America uh-huh. ever. What is it? Charles Grodin says in Midnight Run, ninety percent of every restaurants fail mm-hmm. something like that because most small businesses fail anyways and if it's a restaurant it doubles but so people so you you rent a truck you decorate it you make your food if you go out of business you you don't have to go file for bankruptcy you just give the truck back yeah. and you try you again also charge too much that's yeah. the problem with most food trucks is that they're way too much like it's like 13 bucks for a little sandwich that i'm supposed to eat standing up like yeah no that's ridiculous well that's why that's why i like in Los Angeles, we have taco trucks where it's a buck twenty-five a taco. Yes, and that's that seems much. And there's going to be one on every corner soon. Did you hear God. about that? I can't wait. That's going to be so awesome. <laughs> Could there be a more tone-deaf, racist thing for a white guy to say? But that, no, that guy wasn't a white guy. Is the thing. Regardless, he was the Latino guy, the like Latinos for Trump guy. Yeah, he's a white guy. <laughs> to <laughs> say that taco things. trucks on every corner is a bad thing. First yeah. of all, when you live in LA, that already happened, and you're <laughs> and you're glad about yeah. it. Yes, you go up to this Target right on the corner by my house. There's one on one side, and there's one on the other yeah. side. And at night, there's at least two or three, and it's all fucking delicious. Yeah, and yes, they it's probably not as clean as it should be. Who cares? Because there's no bathroom there. That's what. That's that's how it works. It's a fucking truck. There's the. Have you ever been to the Virgil? Like in the past few years. Uh, no. There's a taco truck down the street from the Virgil that is so fucking good. And you don't have to get you know a big meal or three tacos or whatever. You get a quesadilla with steak in it, and it's first of all it's enormous, six seven bucks, mm-hmm. and it's so fucking good. And. Uh, and the only reason there aren't taco trucks everywhere already is because of some bullshit laws meant yeah. to keep them out of business that restaurant owners have, have you know, passed. Like I hear in Texas, maybe it's just in Austin, but taco trucks cannot park and wait for business. Uh, any food truck has to be flagged down. Like they can drive around town, but they cannot stop and offer business. They have to be yeah. flagged down like a fucking ice cream truck. Right? Get with the times, Austin. Yeah. We are in the... Taco truck in every corner of the world now. And again, that that is because they don't want, you know, dirty Mexicans coming over here and stealing jobs from hardworking white people running restaurants. Right. That's filled with Mexicans yes, fucking those, running the all place. Those jobs are already being done. It's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. This is probably the end of this. But hopefully, I mean, as reality shows and TV gets better and easier to make, people just stop this shit. I don't understand. It's 
cameras are so small now mm-hmm. and you know they all have a, a camera guy and a sound guy on with them on their team just fucking stop and say what did you think about what just happened you know how do you feel about this emotions are running high like when the Hawaiian ladies were going to go home with no sales whatsoever yeah. and she calls her brother-in-law and that's all they sold was shit to her brother-in-law and their friends. Well, that's one thing I've learned from Food Truck Race. With this one, and I think I think it was last season or two seasons ago when there was another Hawaiian truck, uh-huh. is that Polynesians all over the like continental United States... There's some, some they, they all seem to be able to get a hold of one another. You're right. This this Hawaiian truck a couple years ago, every time they pulled up in, they'd call one person, and <laughs> scores of people would show. Well, I think it's because it's well, like Brooke was like looking at the food they were making, and yeah. it was like, mm, I love those spam sushis. Like she was crazy about. It. I think it's because that sh- it's hard to get. Not only is it hard to get that stuff here, but it's really hard to get a good version of that right. stuff. So, so I don't know if you watched the second episode. No, of course not. But yeah, that's what happened with the layaway ladies in the second episode. That's a stupid went, name, too, by the way. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, but they went into Oxnard. Oh, that's the other thing this season is that, like, it's supposed to be across the country. Oh, yeah. Right? They're clearly not spending that much money because they went from Los yeah. Angeles to Oxnard and the next episode is in solving. Yeah. So they've literally gone two and a half hours in. Yeah, in the first like one they start episodes. in Valencia and 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 then go to Hollywood and then end up back in Valencia. But yeah, they're not leaving California. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. They're they're not even going to go to Northern California. So, uh, but hopefully this more there will be less shows like that. And I don't know Brooke watches like a lot, like watches Match Master Chef. Uh-huh. And I think she watched the kids version too. Master Chef Junior. Yeah, which is I guess is better because no one gets yelled at on it. That's what I hear. I want to watch it, <laughs> but I can't stand any of them just because I don't give a fuck about any of the cooking shows. Did you see? Did, did you watch with Bob and David the whole series? Not the whole series because no. they did this hilarious cooking show sketch on it with Scott Ackerman. It was very funny. All right, so uh, the next couple shows will be our last two shows. Um, you probably are thinking there's. Three more shows to go, but uh, just because of our busy schedules and everything going on, uh, Jim Bruce and friends of mine are throwing me a roast as a going away party. Did you get an invite? Yeah, that's in two weeks. Though. Yes, but I'm saying... And we are doing a show in two weeks. Yes. My point is that's one of the many things going on this month. Yes. We are very busy. Much like next week, you will not be here. Yes, my my wedding anniversary and my birthday are in the next like week and a half. So that's yeah. So that's happening. We're still packing, moving. We're gonna have to stay in an Airbnb because no hotel will take our four cats while while we're here. So that's kind of a drag. But we're very busy. But so we we only got two more shows to go. So the next show we will play all of your favorite clips. Some of you have called in yeah. and they said. Uh, Tell, told us what your favorite clips were, and so we will play your recording, and we and then play the clip. That's two weeks from now, so still do that. If you yes. have, call, um, email us uh, and say yeah. the clips, and if you remember what episode that is, that will help. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then what's the uh, call the hotline? You know, if you uh, I've tweeted it out many many times, but if you are not on Twitter for whatever reason, you're make not sure on, you give the right number. Yeah, Facebook. It's the number is six five seven two three five. Two three three three. Leave whatever message you want. Say your name. Don't say your name. You want to do a wacky impression? I don't care. Just whatever you say. If it's funny uh, and good, we'll we'll play it and we'll play the clip and that will be the next show. The next. So if the next show sucks, it's your fault. 
because we're just going to play clip. We're going to play your clip. We're going to talk about it and laugh about it. And then for the finale in two weeks. In three weeks. In three weeks, yes. The, 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 the finale show, not the penultimate, but the last show, David had a great idea. I do think it's a good idea. Okay, sure. It we're going to essentially do a regular episode of Hey, Watch This, except for instead of picking things that aired that week, we're going to pick. We're each going to pick one of our favorite series finales of all time. Yeah, much and like we try do. Trying to live up to them. When we, I think we did that on the first. We would talk about pilots on New Year's Day. We would do the first episodes of shows, right? Oh, I think we did, yeah, I think we did. We did that this year at least, and then for Christmas, we would always pick our favorite Christmas shows. So uh, since and it's you know. There's so many new shows on now. Uh, you should know by now what's what's going on. So we'll pick our favorite series finales, and we will announce them next uh, on the next show in two weeks. Right. And we'll tell you what they are, and then we'll watch them, and we'll talk about them, and we will say our goodbyes. And people keep asking me what is going to happen afterwards. I know you've told people, but do you want to reiterate what you're going to do with this show uh, going well, forward? going to be a, a hiatus out of respect. Um, and also for me to catch up on some TV. Nice. Um, uh, and then when the show does come back, which I, I'll just keep an eye on my Twitter, uh, and I'll let you know, and I'll mention on about the Battleship Retention podcast, when the show does come back, I will be the only permanent host, and it will be a different guest every week, or really a stable of guests probably that I'll cycle through and then occasionally have special guests uh, do one-offs, and they'll, you know, well, I'll sign them a show, they'll sign me a show. Um, so, so same format, yeah. But it'll but, be you and someone else, yeah. That's and of course, less funny, much, much less funny. Well, it depends on who the guest is every week. Yeah. So between now and then, I, I would just watch this. 